Good morning. Good morning. Does it sound as good? You can hear me? Excellent. I couldn't help but think, and think about this often, you probably do too, about the songs sung to God. You know, songs have been written about him since the beginning. And you have to ask yourself, I was thinking, how many songs are there written about him? There's got to be thousands. And I thought, if you took all these songs and you translated them into a language of a person who'd never heard of God before, and you let him read through all the songs, you know what he'd want? Who is this Lord that you're singing about? I want to meet him. Wouldn't that be true? Yeah, that's incredible. There's no words written about people like that. Well, if you have your paper Bible or your electronic Bible, you can open it to John chapter 1. Today, I want to talk about believing, this word believe. Does it matter what you believe? We'll be in the first chapter of John to start. The word believe is a word that's often used and yet often misunderstood. And there's a lot we could say about today, but I just can't cover it all, so I want to focus in a few areas and try to keep it uh, within the context of the time we live, too, with some, some of the issues that we face. So we'll look at the various beliefs and some of the issues with them. We'll look at the seriousness of beliefs, and then we'll look at the one critical belief. So if you were a, uh, a window washer, those guys who wash windows in the city, you know that if you fell from anything above the fifth floor, you, you wouldn't make it. And so that's why for a window washer, whether he's washing at the fifth floor or the 75th floor, the amount of danger is the same. It doesn't bother him. And so they don't have any great anxiety about going up higher. It's also known that if you fall into water from a height of 50 feet or more, 100 feet, it's like hitting concrete. I never thought about that before, but it's interesting. When you fall from that height and you hit the water, it can't move away fast enough from you in order to cushion you. So it feels like you're hitting something hard, and it's fatal. So it's no accident then that Olympic diving platforms are not more than 30 feet high. So I tell you that because I want to pose a a short illustration here. Let's say you and I are standing on a bridge that's 100 feet up, and we're going to compare our beliefs. You believe that if you jump off that bridge, you're going to die. I, however, on the other hand, I don't believe I will die if I jump off the bridge. Does it matter what you or I believe? You know, I can have the strongest faith in what I believe, but the fact is I'm going to die if I jump. So believing something doesn't always make it true. Do you understand? That's a big issue today. A lot of people believe things, and they think because of how much they believe it, it's going to be true, and it's not. So in this situation, I would have what you would call a false belief 
while what you believe is true. So, it does matter what you believe. Popular opinion today is that you shouldn't judge someone's beliefs. You should let them believe what they want to believe. And we have free will, I agree with that. You should let people, they're welcome to believe whatever they want. If I want to believe I can jump off a bridge and live, I'm certainly welcome to believe that. I disagree, though, that we shouldn't engage in fair debate about that, you know, which includes judging the evidence somebody bases their beliefs on. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I have four children, and when they were under the age of 10, I had a discussion with a relative who told me he thought it was perfectly okay for him to use foul language in front of my children. You bet I judged his belief to be wrong, and to this day, he has never spent much time with them. So there are times when we need to be judging things like that and judging beliefs. It's important. The most confusion, how about believing, though, is centers around spiritual issues these days, mostly because people believe you cannot be sure of the answers. Well, the truth is that you can know enough to be sure, can't you? Most of us know that in this room. And when we've pushed that, what tends to happen with people is they decide not to believe it, not because it's not true, but because they don't want to. And there's a substantial consequence in avoiding truth, and this has led to stormy battles, kind of like you see in the political arena today. So this word believe is an important word. It's fundamental in the Bible. It's uh, mentioned 259 times, 38 times in the Old Testament, and a whopping 221 times in the New Testament. And if you look at just the four Gospels, it's mentioned eight times in Matthew, 15 in Mark, 10 in Luke, and 81 times in John. What do you think the book of John's about? <laughs> Let's look at John chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said believe? Whatever he meant by that, it has a pretty significant result. Because if you believe in the way that he's saying, it means you have the right to become a child of God. There isn't anything more significant than that. And today we find many people who say they believe. But what do they mean by that? Do they mean what Jesus means? Does it matter? Consider this little twist in uh, James chapter 2 and verse 19. It says, you believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe. They tremble. The demons believe in God? Why do demons believe in God? Because they've seen him. They've been with him. Why do they tremble? Because they've seen him in all his power and his glory, haven't they? They tremble because they're afraid of him, and they should be. They believe in him more than most people do. They don't want you to believe in him, though. They don't even want you to believe in them. Now, some listening might say, well, I don't believe in the devil. 
you've decided you don't believe in the devil, what do you base that on? Either he exists or he doesn't exist. It does not depend on what you believe, do you understand? Remember the bridge. Your choice is either right or it's wrong. And in the world of differing opinions, people often forget the possibility that they could be wrong in what they believe. If you don't entertain the possibility of being wrong, then you put yourself in the position of believing something false. In the case of the devil, if you're honest, you are unable to say for sure that you know he doesn't exist. And that you choose to believe it. It's interesting, as I, as I wrote that, it, re, it reminded me of a song that I heard a long time ago. It's a song written from the devil's perspective. It says, oh, my job keeps getting easier as time keeps slipping away. I can imitate your brightest light and make your night look just like day. I put some truth in every lie to tickle itching ears. You know I'm drawing people just like flies because they like what they hear. I'm gaining power by the hour. They're falling by the score. You know it's getting very simple now because no one believes in me anymore. If, in fact, the devil exists and he's as bad as the Bible says, what will happen to you if you decide you don't believe he exists? See, it does matter what you believe. So this word believe has become very popular in our time. If you look up Google definitions, it says it was really popular just before 1850 and then it subsided in use. It's been on the upswing since the early 1980s, and I thought, that's interesting. Because the New Age movement started around the 1970s, and then it really took off in the 1980s. And we soon had people believing all kinds of things that really weren't prevalent in our culture before. And George Gallup captured this in his polls. He says, uh, lots of Americans believe lots of weird stuff. 41% believe in ESP. 37% believe in houses that can be haunted, 32% believe in ghosts, 31% believe in telepathy, 26% believe in clairvoyance, 25% believe in astrology, 21% believe you can communicate mentally with someone who has died, 21% believe in witches, 20% believe in reincarnation, and 9% believe in channeling. I don't know about you, but my experience has tended to believe that, or tended to be that those numbers are higher than that. But he also says that this is not a group of overlapping people. He says a special analysis of the data shows that 73% of Americans believe in at least one of these 10 items and 27% believe in none of them. Like I said, 100 years ago, only strange people believe in such things, but now it's commonplace, and yet we're supposed to be more advanced. It's also ironic that we choose not to believe in the devil, but we believe this stuff. If you're someone trying to find the truth, there's a lot of confusion to get through. Well, we believe lots of normal things too, don't we? You believe in chairs, right? This room is full of them. I see that you're all sitting in one too. We don't talk about it, but we, we believe in chairs. We sit in them without hesitation and without questioning their ability. The fact is, everyone you know believes in chairs with the same amount of faith that you do. We put trust in chairs, and you know what? 
God sure would like to have trust like that. What about believing in things you cannot see? You believe in gravity? We don't, that's something we don't think much about either, is it? And we don't really have to. If the earth had the same amount of gravity as the moon, though, we'd have to think about it. For one, you could jump pretty far. That would be kind of fun most of the time. But if we had that kind of gravity here, life would change dramatically as we know it. It would be kind of dangerous here, especially in the cities. You know, things jumping around, moving around, crashing into each other. But just think, we have the right amount of gravity here on earth, and there's not a day or a moment goes by that you don't hesitate to trust gravity completely to keep you from floating away. You trust it implicitly even though you cannot see it. Why? Well, you know it's there because you see the evidence, and it has proved itself time and again to always do what it's supposed to do. Our trust in gravity is actually huge, and it's seen when we have to deal with heights. Some are deathly afraid of heights. We all say we're afraid of falling, right? But the truth is, is what you're really afraid of is gravity pulling you down. We're so afraid of it, some of us have tr tremendous fears, and it's an indication of just how much we believe in it. Suppose you're walking along a path and you come to a bridge that crosses a deep canyon. You might look at that bridge and, and you would, might believe that it would hold you. You see other people walking across it and you say, yeah, that, that looks like it holds people okay. But so far, your belief is just talk, isn't it? How are we going to know when you really believe that bridge will hold you? Well, it doesn't happen until you actually walk across it, doesn't it? Before that happens, people listening to you talk will just say, you're all talking to walk. What about believing in God? We look back through history, there are some major civilizations that believed in many gods. Romans, the Egyptians, the Greeks, and people quickly will call them ancient, ignorant people. But I would remind you that much of what they built and much of what we know is that they did, they built, they learned, is still with us today. What they did was no little thing, and most people living today have not used their brains like the Egyptians did or the Romans did. And if we had to do some things today like they did back then, we couldn't do it. But many of their gods weren't so great, were they? They had a lot of gods that were jealous, petty, mean. Their gods fought amongst themselves and used people for their own desires. And we have to ask ourselves, how can these people who dominate our history books, how could they believe in things that are obviously not true today? You have to conclude that just because people are intelligent doesn't mean that they believe things that are true. And they obviously did. And we are susceptible to making the same mistakes, and we do. Consider how many people believe that all roads lead to God. It's a prevalent belief today. And it's interesting because what's happened here is people have decided on their own that even though the various religions are diametrically opposed to each other, and though each of these religions claims to be the only true religion, People actually believe that all these people will end up in the same place with God in the end. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't sound like 
heaven would be peaceful either, does it? <laughs> if all roads lead to God, what you're really saying is that a person can believe anything they want. Well, has anyone asked God if that's okay with him? And if it were true, why do some of these religions get so angry when somebody wants to convert from one to another? If all roads lead to God, it shouldn't matter, should it? And this one God that so many believe in is, is done more dishonored by his supposed believers in that people have also decided what he is like based on what they think rather than what is true. They've not considered the facts. They haven't asked him. For instance, many have decided that God is like a short-order cook when it comes to life. Every time I think I need something, God should give it to me. Every time I'm in trouble, God should get me out of it. And when I don't get what I want or bad things happen, we get angry with God and blame Him. We think there's some kind of mean streak in Him. Hmm, kind of sounds like the Greeks and the Romans, huh? That is a God of our imagination. And there's no evidence or basis for us to believe that God is really like what we imagine. And if you really think about it, we really wouldn't want God to be like what we imagine. Some become atheists. They've decided because there are so many bad things and injustices in the world that there must not be a God. Because if there was, he would not let evil flourish. Again, they also only think of their own opinion and do not take into account other explanations. Let me give you one. God is omniscient. He knows everything before it happens. He does not dwell in the confines of time. He can go to the end of time and look at the beginning. He sees it all. He knows it all. And how much of all the knowledge possible does the typical atheist have? It never occurs to the atheist that if he knew as much as God knows, that he would make the same decisions that God does. He's also made the assumption that the bad things are God's fault, and he's also made the assumption that God's done nothing about it. And thanks to evolution, he's uh, pretty much gone unchallenged, so he thinks his beliefs are correct, and a lot of other people do. But I want to tell you, the atheist and anyone who thinks like him is wrong on every single point. So let's talk about people who believe in God. Some listening to me today believe in God, but there's a serious flaw in your belief. The word believe implies trust, as you may have seen by now. When we believe something, we consider it a truth we can count on, don't we? So it's strange that when it comes to God, we have a problem. You see, there's a big difference between saying, I believe in God, and I believe God. We say we believe in God, but like the atheists, we don't put our trust in him. This is what we call academic assent. It would be like saying, I believe in chairs, but I never sit in them. I agree they exist, but I don't trust them. And we're doing this with God. Sadly, it's been this way from almost the beginning. It's a terrible, fatal flaw in human behavior that even though we know something is true, 
we choose to believe what is false instead. We're going to read a story, turn to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to see a couple of people who did exactly that, and we're going to see the seriousness of what it means to believe. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Is that what God said? Can't eat from any tree? He never said that. It's a far cry from you can eat from all the trees except from one, for one. He totally contradicts God's command, clearly lying to her. Hey, you would think he'd be more subtle more, and not so obvious. Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. And I think you know she adds a word there, right? Touch it. God never talked about that. But she is well aware of the consequences, isn't she? Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Notice he totally contradicts what God said again. He's not had her beliefs challenged before. He's using shock therapy with her, isn't he? And then he's going to swoop in for the kill. By the way, that strategy is used all the time. Before we go on, I want to point something out, though. He says, you surely will not die. There are going to be no consequences for going against God. You know, people still believe this today. Here are some examples. No, I'm not going to die because I'll be reincarnated. No, I'm not going to die because there is no God and we just cease to exist after we die. No, I'm not going to die because God does not send people to hell. No, I'm not going to die because there is no hell. And there are actually Christian, so-called Christian religions that have invented that. And then this one goes with what we're talking about today. No, I'm not going to hell because I believe in God. This then is the great lie that's still believed today. You shall surely not die. Let's move on to verse 5. It says, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And listen to this. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Is what he's saying true? Would they be like God? Yes and no. God knows all about good and evil, doesn't he? But he does not know about evil from experience in that he's committed evil. But the consequence of eating from the tree for Eve would be different. She would know all about evil, both academically and experientially, wouldn't she? The devil does not tell her about these little details. Tells her a partial truth, which is how he operates. Mixes just enough truth to make it sound good. And why is he doing all this? You know, the devil hates God with a passion. And he hates everything that God does. And he hates everything that God loves. And what does God love? The pinnacle of his creation was man. God loves man more than we can measure. But that makes us the prime target of the devil's wrath, doesn't it? So Eve's choice 
is a matter of life and death, isn't it? She's been given by a command by God personally, and she's listened to the contradiction by the devil personally. And now she has a choice. And most people think, yeah, she has to decide whether to eat the fruit or not, right? No, there's something that has to happen before that. She has to decide who she trusts. Is she going to trust God? Or is she going to trust the devil? The choice is, who does she believe? Believe implies trust, of course, and so we ask, who is she going to trust? You know, you show who you trust by your actions. And people say they trust God, and some even try, but as soon as things get a little rough, they bail out on him. And here's, that's what Eve does. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And nothing's been the same ever since. She chose to believe the devil. She put her trust in the devil. What can you say about a person who trusts the devil? Have you trusted the devil? I'd like to interject a note here. People who don't believe the Bible often refer to this story as just a fairy tale. But when you realize what it's really saying, it's hardly a fairy tale at all, isn't it? Eve had never lied before, but now she would lie, and she would do all kinds of things she'd never done before. She became just like the one she trusted. Do you realize how many of us have done the same thing? Let me demonstrate. Using something Jesus said and something the atheists say. Turn to John chapter 8. And we'll start in verse 42. But let me give a little preface before we read the verse. Jesus challenged the religious leaders standing with God. He told them God was not their father. They argued they were right with God because they were Jews. Look what Jesus says in verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So I want you to notice what he says there. He speaks from his own nature. In other words, what you hear him say reflects what his nature is. You already saw he's a liar, right? Why? Because it's in his nature to lie, right? Have you ever noticed that people lie? Why? Because it's in our nature to lie. Jesus calls him a murderer too. Have you ever noticed that people murder? Why? Because it's in our nature. What else is in our nature? I want to look at three lists in the scripture, starting in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 29. 
They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. That's a big one, I think. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Now turn to Galatians 5, starting in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It reminds me of the first time I read the Bible. When I read lists like this, I was blown away. I said, wow, somebody put it down in writing. I can't believe this. It's, it's overwhelming when you think about it. And we've got one more list to look at, but there are actually more. Turn to Revelation 21. Revelation 21 and verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Three lists of all kinds of evil. Does it remind you of anyone? It reminds me of me. It should remind you of you. It should remind you of the whole world. It's our nature. It is if we choose, it is if we choose to trust the devil and not God, doesn't it? We chose to act like him and not like God, and our actions show what we believe. Now consider what the atheist is saying, too, in light of this. He does not believe that there is a God because there's too much wickedness in the world. Do you see the problem with what he believes? He's making an observation about human behavior and not God's behavior. He confirms we have a problem, not God. He has drawn the wrong conclusion, though, on what he believes. So it's a very serious matter about what you believe. So now the only question is, is why should God have anything to do with a people like this? You and I, we get offended at someone doing just one thing against us. And sometimes it's kind of trivial. God has a whole world of people continually doing evil that offends him. And let me ask you. What would you do with a whole world full of wicked people? Maybe instead of blaming God, we should be begging for mercy. Fortunately, our wrong beliefs about God are not what's going to control what happens. The real God, the true God, will decide. And you remember the verse in James, you believe there is one God, you do well, but even the demons believe in him and they don't trust him and they won't. 
but you can. Don't be like them. You can put your trust in the Lord. Change what you believe. It's critical that you believe God. It is your only hope. He wants you to believe the reality of your condition and mine. And we see that in the list of sin we read. I wish we could go through them one by one. We are evil and we do wrong every day of our lives from beginning to end. But he also wants you to believe that though he may hate what we do, he loves us. And he wants to save us from the consequences from, of our actions. Can you put your trust in him today? Hmm? Let me put the choice before you in a way you, you might not thought of, and we don't often hear. Okay, you might be religious, you might not, okay? And what you've thought basically is that you're, you're good and that, and that you're, not, you're not too bad, you won't go to hell. And you should have seen by now that you believe that lie in Genesis chapter 3. And you're welcome to continue to believe that. But if you think this world is bad, you've seen nothing yet. But if you have come to your senses and you recognize you have believed wrongly, then consider this. We've demonstrated that as people, we believe a lot of things that, that, that make sense, including some things we cannot see. Ask yourself then if it makes sense to believe in someone who's like this. And I will describe to you just a little bit of the nature of the one we're talking about. And we've already mentioned he knows everything about everything, doesn't he? Wouldn't it be more than good to have someone like that? He's everywhere all at once. He would always be with you. He has all power, which means there's complete security with him, isn't there? He's always existed and always will. He will always be there. He will never leave. And he's so very merciful, even when I mess up, even when I really mess up, he's very merciful. He's all wise. There isn't anything too hard for him to figure out. He's patient. I mean really patient. Nothing like you've ever seen before. He's just. There's no corruption in him. All his judgments are pure and right and true. He is faithful. He will never let you down. You can count on the rest of us humankind to let you down, but he will never do that. His love is measureless. He loves even his enemies. How much more than does he love those who are his, huh? With all those great things about him, you should know something else. That he is unable to do wrong. He never has and he never will. All that he is and all that he does is in complete harmony and balance. He is everything that we are not and more. Here is someone that's worth believing in, don't you think? We certainly have believed in people with a whole lot less character. God is generous. And that's an understatement. He owns the whole universe and he withholds nothing 
to those who are His. He demonstrated when He went to the cross. You see, you and I, in all of our wickedness, were powerless to save ourselves. With justice on His side, He could throw the whole world into hell, and He could walk away, and it would be right. But He had compassion on us, and it moved Him to find a way to save us from ourselves. The penalty we deserve, he paid. He suffered it. He paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. This is better than religion, isn't it? Now, don't you think he is someone you can really put your trust in, believe in? Don't just believe he exists. Trust him. In verses like John 3.16, should make sense to you when we talk about what does it mean to believe? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you see it? He loved us so much that he gave us his son. His son suffered the hell that I should have suffered, that you should suffer. And then what does it say? It says whoever believes puts their trust in him, not just believes he exists. And what does it say, the result of that? Shall not perish, shall have eternal life. And that means being with the one we just got done describing, whose description defies words, if you really think about it. Trust him today, don't wait. Life is precious and the days are fleeting. I want to mention one more thing that I hadn't planned on but it should make sense to you if you followed along here. We've talked about what our nature is, what it's like. We've talked about the devil's nature, and we've compared it with God's nature. And I want to tell you, if you put your trust in Christ today, he's going to give you a new nature, which is something you could never get on your own. All right, so then it's either believe this great, wonderful God or believe the lie. So then it does matter what you believe, doesn't it? Let's pray. Father, how we thank you this morning for truth. Where would we be without it? And Lord, I sure do pray for any listening to me today that if they are still confused, that you would make things clear. But hopefully, Lord, things are clear for them today and they see that it's right to trust you and wrong to believe the lie. And we pray, Lord, that they will make the right choice. They will believe just like you want them to. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.